Welcome to Bio, a podcast produced by the Biographers International Organization. Bio is devoted to promoting the work of biographers and advocating for biography as a genre with the support of biographers and biography lovers worldwide. I'm Bio member Jenny Skoog in New York City. On each episode, we talk with biographers about their work. In this episode, I met with Sung Yoon Lee to talk about his book, The Sister, North Korea's Kim Yo-jong, The Most Dangerous Woman in the World, published by Public Affairs in September 2023. We recorded this interview via Zoom on July 19th, 2023. Dr. Lee, welcome to BioPodcast, and thanks for being here. Who is Kim Yo-jong? Kim Yo-jong is the seventh and youngest child of the former North Korean dictator Kim Jong-il, who is the son of the original great leader of North Korea, if you will, the founder of the North Korean state, Kim Il-sung. So Kim Yo-jong is a very powerful North Korean official, a member of the dynasty, the royal family, And she has been running her nation's foreign policy toward South Korea, the United States, and much of the world since about 2020, March 2020. So she is a powerful figure. She is the de facto number two person in the North Korean hierarchy. And of course, when we refer to North Korea, the state, we refer to the hereditary totalitarian dynasty. So she is to be taken very seriously in my humble estimation. Let's look at her and her brother, Kim Jong-un and Kim Yo-jong. Of the two, as I was reading your book, I got the sense that she's very dangerous. Uh, How does her gender play into this? Well, that's a major aspect of what I try to elaborate on in my book, The Sister. I think the inherent biases, sexism, latent in many of us, many men, but I would also suggest in many women as well. I think it works in North Korea's favor because Kim Yo-jong is young. She's in her mid-30s. Some say she's beautiful. Some say she's elegant. She's clearly quite capable, very talented. And she's shown a streak of sardonic wit in making fun of the former South Korean president, the current South Korean president, President Biden and President Trump as well. So she's a serious person, yet by virtue of her feminine identity, her gender and her relative youth, I think much of the outside world is more willing to forgive her when she makes a very rude statement, when she issues a nuclear threat on South Korea, one is more prone to be dismissive of her and even more forgiving of her than, say, toward her surly, less photogenic brother. And when North Korea reverts to a post-provocation peace phase, uh, and that's what North Korea does. It goes through cycles of prolonged provocations and then dramatically changes its tune to a happier melody and all smiles comes out and says, let's meet. That's what we saw in 2018 when Kim Jong-un met with President Xi of China, President Moon of South Korea, of course, President Trump in Singapore 
and so on. And when that moment comes, I believe Kim Yo-jong will be the charming face of her very uh, macabre nation once again, as she showed the world when she visited South Korea for the opening ceremony of the Winter Olympics that South Korea hosted in February 2018. Much of the South Korean nation and beyond, people seem to be just enthralled, obsessed with her. I think that works to her advantage. North Korea has been a punchline or a joke at times. Um, The first time I ever was introduced to anything about North Korea was in this movie Team America that came out in the early 2000s where Kim Jong-il at the time was the supreme leader. How serious should we take North Korea today? Well, if there were such a thing as, I don't know, an international mockability index, North Korea would reign supreme. It would be number one forever, perhaps. I mean, North Korea is such a weird amalgam, a weird mix of medieval mores and buffoonish bellicosity. They say crazy sounding things. They do very odd things like building up their great leader as almost a a godlike figure. So North Korea is endlessly mockable, I would say. And of course, we tend to patronize the North Korean leader. It's a very strange, the optics are very strange. You have a very well-nourished young dictator with a funny haircut, some say, presiding over a nation of starving people. You have an industrialized, urbanized, literate economy to have undergone a devastating famine. It's a unique feat in world history. It's never happened before and probably never will happen in an industrialized, literate, stable economy. So North Korea is profoundly strange. And that leads governments to, at times, underestimate North Korea's capabilities, its intentions, and think that if we are a bit more civil, if we are a bit more generous to North Korea, give them money, food, what they want, then they might be more compliant. That assumes, that view assumes North Korea lacks agency, that North Korea doesn't have a strategy of its own. And I think since the days of Team America, which was released in 2004, over the past 30 years or so, going back to the end of the Cold War, The scorecard, if you will, on nuclear diplomacy is startling. North Korea, in return for repeated lies, pledges of denuclearization, has wrested away from the biggest nations of the world, including the United States, tens of billions of dollars in food, fuel, cash, and other blandishments, while building probably upwards of 50 bombs. What has Team America and its allies gained? A nuclear North Korea. So they're to be taken very seriously. This family is enshrouded in secrecy. How were you able to create this family tree at the beginning of the book? Well, I will uh, admit that there is inherent limitation to studying North Korea. Why? Because simply North Korea is the most opaque nation in the world. It's an information black hole, to be a bit dramatic. North Korea, the state, assiduously 
tries its best to keep information out of its own nation, to keep the people in the dark. And also, North Korea is very good at strategic deception, sending out mixed and misleading signals. And because the regime is so secretive about basic biological information of the leadership, it is a challenge. It's quite challenging to gauge uh, and to establish and confirm facts related to the royal family. I have been studying North Korea and teaching about North Korea for over 20 years. I, in trying to write this book, I have had a lot of help from fabulous graduate students, a student from mainland China and a student from Taiwan, who each scoured through every single mention of Kim Yo-jong or the royal family. Uh, on the mainland, in China, as well as in Taiwan. I've had a student look at every single reference to Kim Yo-jong in Korean, in English, in Japanese, and so on. So I've had a lot of help. And the family tree uh, in the book, I believe, is the most accurate and comprehensive. I'm sorry to sound uh, self-absorbed like that, but uh, I did do uh, as much fact-checking as I could. And I spoke with lots of people, including former North Koreans with elite background, very high up uh, in the hierarchy, in the government who have defected. So I've had a lot of help along the way. As a South Korean yourself, what kind of access do you have that somebody outside of that region might not? Well, I, I've had access to North Korean official statements, um, North Korean texts, because I read Korean. I was born in South Korea, and I'm fluent in Korean. So that's quite helpful in studying North Korea, um, you know, not having that language barrier, lack of access to North Korean primary sources. And I've also watched, I don't know, hundreds of hours of North Korean videos, official, everything's official, of course, in North Korea, books and video documentaries and so on. And that was very helpful because... The way that the, my subject, primary subject, Kim Yo-jong, comes across in North Korean videos is slightly different from what North Korea has shown the rest of the world. She's completely at ease when she is with her brother, whereas all North Korean officials, the highest ranked officials, they visibly sometimes shake out of nervousness and fear and when the great leader is speaking, we've seen this before, of course, North Korean officials, they assiduously take notes. They have a notepad. They try to write down every single pearl of wisdom coming out of the great leader's mouth. Whereas Kim Yo-jong does whatever she wants to. She walks in and out of the frame uh, in the hotel room suite in Singapore on the eve of the meeting summit with President Trump. While her brother is speaking, she goes out into the balcony and then comes back in and out of the frame. You know, sometimes she's whistling uh, when her brother makes an entrance while everyone else stands up and just um, roars, you know, cheering the entry of the great leader. Sometimes she claps half-heartedly. Sometimes she's not clapping at all. So all this body language that she exhibits um, is a sign to me that she occupies a unique position in the North Korean government and that she is, in fact, the closest aide to her brother, thereby 
the de facto number two person in North Korea. Coming back to the secret family for a second, do we know if she's married or has children of her own? It's never been confirmed. North Korea has never even publicly acknowledged that she is the first sister of North Korea, that she's Kim Jong-un's sister. So we don't know for sure, but apparently when she visited South Korea in February 2018 for the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics, she did reportedly tell her South Korean interlocutors that she's married and that she was pregnant at the time. So it's quite plausible, possible that she's married uh, with a child at least or two children, but none of this can be confirmed. And in some ways, she seems more brutal or daring or dangerous than her brother. And she has the power to have someone killed off if they get on her nerves. This is so disturbing. How likely is it that she's going to be the supreme leader? Well, in North Korea, as somebody famous, Shakespeare said, people's lives are flies to wanton boys. On a whim, successive North Korean supreme leaders have had their officials and even family members killed. Kim Jong-un, probably working with his sister, came up with a sinister plan to kill their half-brother, Kim Jong-nam, assassinated in a crowded international airport in Malaysia in February 2017 with a deadly nerve agent, a chemical weapon, VX nerve agent. And this was in broad daylight where you have cameras everywhere. It was, it was a shocking, twisted show to tell the world that this is what happens if you dare to criticize me. The half-brother, the condemned, had been critical of uh, another father-to-son succession, uh, that is Kim Jong-un taking over. Uh, once their father, Kim Jong-il, would pass on. So he was sort of a marked man, the half-brother, but to do it in such a brutal, brazen way, where you have infirm people in an airport, where you have little children perhaps crawling around, it's just brazen, it's just um, inhumane. So killing people off just for getting on your nerves is very much a tradition in North Korea. There have been reports from different regions inside the country that Kim Yo-jong, as of, say, May 2021, has had that power to kill people off on a whim, as she pleases. It sounds sensational, it sounds shocking, but it would be very much in line with the family practice over the past seven decades. Is she more dangerous than her brother? Well, that remains to be seen. But what I've observed over the past three years is a role reversal. Kim Jong-un was supposedly the cruel dictator, the crazy guy threatening to nuke the White House and so on, uh, which was a fact, even going back 10 years to 2013. But over the past three years, Kim Yo-jong has been playing the role of the even worse cop to her bad cop brother. It seems as if Kim Jong-un is the more restrained party, restraining his sister who's out of control. So this is a very clever 
ploy, I think, a form of psychological manipulation, setting the stage for the day when she changes her tune from molto agitato to placido and very pleasantly beaming smile says, let's talk. At that moment, it will be exceedingly difficult for any administration in the US or South Korea or anywhere else to turn their back on a smiling princess from Pyongyang and say, no, thank you, we're not interested in peace talks. Is she the one to succeed to her nation's throne? Is she the successor, the heir? Well, of course, in the tradition of Korean royalty, monarchy, usually in terms of practicing primogeniture, the throne power is passed down to the eldest son. There are many exceptions, of course, but that's the custom. Does Kim Jong-un have a viable son, a son who's viable to become the leader if Kim Jong-un were to exit the political stage today? No. We know that Kim Jong-un has at least two children, maybe three, but they're all very young, prepubescent. What can a 10-year-old or 12-year-old do? Receive a foreign delegation, make a speech, head their nation's delegation abroad? I don't think so. So for now, for the next 10 years or so, minimum a decade, Kim Il-jong, in my view, is the only viable leader to succeed her brother if necessary in North Korea, which is a very male-dominated, male-chauvinistic culture, it's hard to imagine the emergence of a female supreme leader. But what supersedes such cultural norms and male chauvinism is the so-called Mount Pektu royal blood, the royal bloodline. Uh, it's a family dynasty, and simply there is no one besides Kim Il-jong a direct descendant of the founder of the North Korean state that has shown themselves to be capable and viable. This regime has been known to cross the border and kidnap their adversaries, or should they have a crush on a singer or an artist of some kind, they'll just go ahead and take them, which has happened in decades past. What precautions do you take? Because you're on a very public stage, which you, I'm sure, have a target on your back in some sense, because you're very critical of this regime. How concerned are you about your safety? Well, I reside in the United States, which probably is the safest country, because the U.S. does not have diplomatic relations with North Korea, which means there are very few North Korean nationals who are granted a visa to enter the United States. Now, there are a few North Korean officials at the North Korean mission to the United Nations in New York City, but they are limited by a travel restriction, a radius of 50 miles from the United Nations in Midtown Manhattan. So we know there are no North Korean terror cells in the United States. Again, very few North Koreans uh, who are free to travel as they please. So living in the United States does afford one with an extra layer of security. Yet we also know that North Korea is very adept, very good at hacking cyber attacks. 
Uh, we've seen many examples of massive cyber attacks on a film studio, Sony Pictures Entertainment in 2014. We've seen cyber heist repeatedly, North Korean hackers stealing money from international banks and corporations. So I've been targeted. My university issued laptop has been scrubbed a few times in the past. I've had a burner laptop and so on. But, you know, I'm a small fish. I don't think it's really worthwhile for the North Korean leadership to, to obsess over somebody like me. I'm really not an important pundit. What has it been like to write about a living subject? Well, as we know, this my, uh, my book on Kim Yo-jong is an unauthorized and one might say undiplomatic biography. I've had no access to my subject, of course, and I never even thought that I may meet her one day and be able to ask her questions. Uh, perhaps if I'm in a cage, I don't know. But so, yeah, it's been challenging. But I think, you know, my um, 20 years or so of studying North Korean state and society and writing about North Korea and teaching about North Korea uh, was helpful. Uh, and uh, again, you know, I've had a lot of help along the way from my research students, my research associates, assistants, government figures, former top aide to President Bill Clinton, who accompanied Bill Clinton on a visit to Pyongyang to win the release of two detainees in 2009. I've spoken with North Korean defectors. So I've tried my best to put together a mosaic to a nation, a culture, a monarchy pretending to be a communist republic uh, that is very opaque. How long did it take you to write this book? Over two years, I submitted my proposal in September 2020 and um, had a contract soon thereafter. And I submitted my final reviewed draft earlier this year in 2023. So the process itself has taken about two and a half years. It's originally published in England under a different title with a different cover. Can you tell me about why you have two different titles for this book and why there's a staggered publication? That's right. The title, the subtitle is different. My initial uh, publisher, my contract for this book, I signed it with Pam Macmillan, which is one of the biggest publishers in the UK. They were interested, thankfully and took a chance on me. I mean, it's a very difficult subject, so you know, I don't pretend that it's perfect or anywhere near it, but uh, I think some parts of the book are readable. But then other publishers in different markets expressed interest earlier this year, and I'm very privileged to have signed up with Public Affairs, which is an imprint of Achette, one of the biggest publishers, uh, based in New York City. And my U.S. publisher, Public Affairs, came up with this very different book cover, which I like, and also um, a different subtitle. Instead of the extraordinary story of the rise of Kim Yo-jong, the most powerful woman in North Korea, the U.S. subtitle is the following. The rise of Kim Yo-jong, the most dangerous woman in the world. The most dangerous woman in the world. And in the book, I do portray her as the world's first quote-unquote, nuclear despotess. 
I looked it up. Despotess is a real word in the dictionary. A female dictator, despot. And you know, she has issued many statements explicitly saying that, well, if you will, she has her finger on the nuclear button by the authority vested in her by her brother, by the party, by the state. She is free to order a preemptive nuclear strike on South Korea. She has reinforced this message since April 2022 several times. And when we talk about checks and balances in government, well, North Korea stands unique. Even in China or even in Russia, there, there is some semblance of checks and balances. In North Korea, it's the man on top or his sister who is running the show. Uh, there is no one, no government agency that can intervene and try to restrain what the top leader does in North Korea. So it's uh, the emergence of a ruthless female co-crime boss, if you will, is an alarming development. You dedicate this book to John Curtis Perry. Can you tell me about your relationship with this person? Yes, John Curtis Perry, Professor Perry, is my mentor for life, my former professor at the Fletcher School, where I studied and taught for many years. And he's simply the world's greatest teacher, the world's greatest orator. Says who? Hundreds of his former students, including myself. Professor Perry turned 93 on July 18th. And uh, we had a big Zoom meeting with participation by former students from all over the world. So he's a revered, inspiring teacher. And it's my honor to dedicate my humble book to my great teacher. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. That was my conversation with Sung Yoon Lee to talk about his book, The Sister, North Korea's Kim Yo-jong, the most dangerous woman in the world published by Public Affairs in September 2023. We recorded this interview via Zoom on July 19th, 2023. To learn more about Bio or to hear other episodes in our podcast series, please visit our website, biographersinternational.org. I'm Bio member Jenny Skoog in New York City. Alani Hodge created our theme music. Until next time, thanks so much for listening.